Hi everyone, and you're very welcome to Reinventing the Next Chapter, a podcast where I speak to women who either through choice or through circumstance have had to take a step back, reevaluate their lives and make some powerful changes. I'm your host, Elaine Ryan, life, career and relationship coach. If you're feeling stuck or not where you thought you'd be in life, my hope is that these stories will give you the inspiration and more importantly, the motivation to take the first step towards reinventing your next chapter. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Reinventing the Next Chapter. The podcast is one year old this month, so that's an achievement in itself. I've taken a little break for the last month or so, but I've had lots of great guests over the last year, and I am back today with another amazing guest. So today I am joined by Katrina Irwin, life and executive coach specializing in neuroscience. So Katrina, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Elaine. I'm delighted to be on with you today. Great. And would you like to give a bit more information about yourself and your background? I am Katrina, as you introduced me. I have a passion for life. I'd be described as, I guess, quite an energetic person. I love people. I love talking to people, listening to people. I love nature, travel, all of that. And I guess I grew up in rural Ireland in quite a a rural part of County Limerick. And I was educated there, went to school there, left there when I was 17. I, Even though I loved nature and the country, I found it quite isolating. So I studied radiography in UCD and I moved to Cork. So over the next 20 years, I worked in Cork University Hospital. I traveled a lot in and I took career breaks here and there. And I moved to Dublin then about eight, nine years ago now. There was a few twists and turns in my own personal life, which at that point then prompted me to take a step back from my career. And at that point, I reevaluated, I suppose, my personal and professional life. Heard about coaching, got excited about it, and I embarked on a new journey. I did a, an executive in life coaching diploma with PSG. And from that, then I've done various other courses. I did a course in neuroscience. So now I use a lot of neuroscience in my coaching. I've set up my own coaching business now, and that's what I'm doing. Brilliant. So that's it in a brief nutshell. <laughs> So that's a great whistle stop tour. So you mentioned that you left Limerick when you were 17. So when you were in school and before you left home, what was the vision you had for your life? How did you think your life was going to go? That's an interesting question, Elaine. I really had no idea. My parents had a globe at home. We always had a globe. (laughs) And I... I did find myself a lot spinning the globe. So (laughs) I wanted to travel and I was always kind of looking at the furthest away part around at the opposite side to Ireland. And I knew I wanted to travel. I knew I wanted to have kids at some point. I knew I wanted to be with people, that sort of thing. But I really didn't have any concrete plan 
I was very open-minded about how things would go. And I really wanted to get out and see the world and try new things. And I knew that even as a child, I was easily bored. So I knew there would be probably a lot of different things in my life. I didn't really know what they were or how they would manifest or how it would go. But I was certainly very open to trying stuff, shall we say. Were you supportive? Nobody had a set plan for you that you were going to do X career? Not really. My mother was a huge influence in my life. She was certainly ahead of her time in that she was quite forward thinking. She always wanted the best for us. She wanted us out in the world doing things. She grew up in a male-dominated house. She had three brothers, but that never stopped her. She had her own voice. She worked very hard at putting that voice out there. And she was never afraid to challenge the status quo. And I guess she passed that on to me and to my sister. We have, I have three brothers as well. She always wanted us moving forwards, whatever that looked like. So... I knew whatever route I took, I would be supported. So that was always a big safety net, I suppose, that if I took on challenges, she was very keen that she valued education greatly. So she was very keen that we would be educated, we would continue learning and continue going through a lifelong learning journey, I suppose. So what did that journey look like then for you? So you left? at 17 with full of adventure and looking for freedom and and all that kind of stuff. So where did you land first? I landed bag and baggage in Dublin to start my radiography course in UCD. And I remember being dropped in Dublin. My mom and dad brought me up and I thought, oh my God, what is in store for me? I didn't (laughs) know anybody. And I didn't really have many friends in secondary school. So I was felt a little bit isolated as a teenager. And I just at that point was so hopeful that I would make new friends, which I did immediately. Oh, great. And that once I had made those connections and bonds, those people are still my friends. And I knew that connections and people were very important to me and they still are. And that's what has, I suppose, sustained me all these years. I loved college. I loved Dublin. I made lots and lots and lots of friends and connections and all of that. When I moved to Cork, then I took on a variety of different roles in the hospital from the cut and thrust of frontline emergency departments to working on various acquisition projects and That allowed me to travel a lot, you know, to see equipment and that kind of thing. So I would have worked with a wide variety of people in the hospital from purchasing managers to senior management who make decisions to my own peers to frontline staff. So it gave me a vast amount of experience with people and that coupled with patients every day, working with patients and experiencing different personalities under stress, not under stress every day. It just gave me a huge insight into how different people were. And I always knew that was my passion, working with people. 
And one of the things I suppose that in my role as a radiographer, waiting lists back then were similar to what they are now. So there was a huge pressure to throughput, to get people through the system, get their tests done in a timely manner. So I often felt a little bit cheated because I didn't get long enough to spend with the patients to actually, you know, listen to them and hear for them what was what was really going on. That was something that I knew I would have liked to explore a little bit more. It sounds like you have a very caring nature that it wasn't just a job, kind of get in, get out. You were you really cared about the patient. And I I think I learned a little technique, particularly later on, for people going into a diagnostic imaging department they think there's something wrong with them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming in. So there is that amount of anxiety and stress and all of that. So I learned a little trick around putting them at ease, and that was through conversation and to even looking at their addresses, ask about where they lived, whatever, and they would get so into the conversation that, you know, the test to be done. And, oh, am I finished? Yes, you are. So... Putting people at ease and conversation and all of that, that was all something that I really enjoyed. And it sounds like it came quite natural to you. Yeah, I guess hindsight would tell me that now. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought (laughs) that that's the way people are. But I did get a lot of feedback that that was something that I would have been noted for. And what brought you down to Cork from Dublin? Was that just where the job was or...? Well, I had, I'd been brought up in Limerick and I'd studied in Dublin. Like I said to you in the beginning, I I bored easily. So it was like, okay, I'm not going to work in Limerick. I'm not going to work in Dublin. Where's next? And Cork had, it was either Cork or Galway. The first interview that came up was in Cork and that was the one I went for. I got it and that, that was what took me there. Nothing more. Okay. So Cork was standing out on your, on your globe. Yes. <laughs> the real capital, as they call it down there. Very exotic. Okay, so that you were kind of going down that path, and it sounds like it was busy and stressful, but that you were very natural at it and putting patients at ease. So, was there one kind of key moment then when you said, "Okay, I I need to make a change. This isn't for me anymore," or what happened then? My personal life, I suppose, kicked in then. I got married and I had four kids. And when I had my second child, he, at nine months, was diagnosed with an intellectual disability. And that was something, when you asked me at the beginning, how did I see my life going? That was certainly not something I ever envisaged. In fact, it took me totally by shock. It was the first time in my life I was paralyzed in that I had no idea what to do or how to cope or how to manage. So I took a step back in that first year after his diagnosis to try and access services. I didn't even know what disability services were. I didn't want to think that he needed them. I thought that I would be able to fulfill all his needs. And of course, that was never going to be the case. So that was a very difficult, challenging journey. And I think that made me reflect a lot on everything. And I did go back to work then on a part-time basis. I had my two daughters then. And 
subsequent to that, my next role was setting up and running the breast imaging department in Cork University Hospital. And I guess I had worked very hard early on in my career. The people I worked with knew when I was in there, I worked hard. So I did certainly get a little bit of flexibility around his needs. And even though I had a full-time job, I was able to work in parental leave and that sort of thing so that I could do my best with him as well. But in all of that, my husband moved to Dublin and he was commuting for two and a half years. So I was Monday to Friday, uh, single parenting, four kids, one with an intellectual disability and doing a full-time job, be it on a probably three-quarter hours. But still, it was a lot. And people used to ask me, why do you come into work, Katrina? I mean, you know, you've got so much else on. Why do you come into work? The reason was I loved it. I loved the energy. I loved the people. I loved those connections. And having studied neuroscience subsequently, I knew that that was my survival mechanism because as humans, we're wired to connect with people and to get that sense of belonging. And when I was in there, I knew I belonged there. I knew it well. I connected with the people and it gave me a sense of safety and security because everything was in turmoil when it came to my son and all that was involved in doing the best for him. That was something that I didn't know. So in all of that, then I finally took the decision. One morning, I was, I still remember I was working in the CT department and I said to my colleague who I was working with at the time, I'm thinking of moving to Dublin. And she looked at me and she said, you're what? And I said, yeah, I've had enough of this. Dublin can't be that difficult. And I think two and a half months later, I moved with the four kids and the dog. And then it was all around accessing disability services in Dublin, Mm -hmm. trying to get the kids settled into schools. And that became overwhelming. So I took a big step back at that stage from my career. It was more about family life and making that work. And in all of that, I knew I was going to reignite my career somehow. I didn't know what that looked like. But there came a point then when I thought, no, it's not. I'm not going back to the front line. That's quite a demanding, challenging role starting in a new hospital. So I actually came across, I met somebody who was a coach at the time and she did a little bit of coaching with me. And I thought, God, that's something that I'm really interested in. And Quite quickly, I just Googled coaching courses, found one, did the interview and signed up. So that was kind of where that big change came from. So then you started the coaching course then after that, was it? Yeah, we bought a house that needed a full refurb. It hadn't been lived in for years and years. So I project managed that first. And towards the end of that, I could see the end coming and I thought, right, I need to do something else. What? What's my plan? So. I actually started the coaching course as a self-development for myself and a personal development. I knew I needed to work on my own confidence again if I was going to get back out into the workplace. And it was only through the coaching course, there were huge aha moments for me around the previous parts of my life and how I had reacted and responded to things. And as I was going through the course, I thought, oh my God, 
the world needs to hear this. The world needs to learn these tools and techniques. And had I known some of this years ago, I may have approached things differently. Better or worse, I don't really know. But I started to use my coaching techniques and theories at home, even with friends. And I saw particularly at home the impact it was having. And that prompted me to reach out and do a little bit of coaching. And then when I saw the impact and got the feedback and the testimonials, I thought, okay, maybe I'll stretch a little bit further. And it just grew from there. Because I was a a sort of a lifetime learner, still am, I continued to sign up to, to sort of shorter courses and build and build and build on my offering and so that you, I could reach a wider audience, I guess. And can you give me an example of, of how you were able to apply it, the learnings that you were getting into your own life? Certainly with my kids, there was a lot of anxiety on my part around my son because I I didn't know there was so much in his world I couldn't control. I couldn't predict. Not that we can predict life as, you know, this was all pre-COVID when we thought we had a better (laughs) prediction of how things would work out. So I learned through the neuroscience that that was transferring. And I learned to sort of manage myself better, manage my own thoughts, start pausing, start asking myself, what response am I choosing? What choice? I have a choice a hundred times a minute, probably, you know, we make so many choices every day. And I started to become more intentional with my own choice making, starting to pause, starting to listen more to what the kids had to say, rather than telling them what to do, asking and I suppose empowering them. And it worked really well. That comes from neuroscience. When we're given more autonomy over what we do, we're more energized. So even simple things like homework, because it was, there were four kids. We didn't really know anybody in Dublin when we moved up. My husband was doing quite a stressful job. He was working long hours simple stuff like the homework, me continually saying, do your homework, pull it, where is it, you know. So my new approach was, do you, would you like to do your maths first or your spellings first? Oh, I'll do my spellings first. So even that choice making, and uh, there's a lot of research in the US now done with older people in nursing homes, that they live longer, happier lives when they're given a choice as simple as breakfast cereal in the morning. Which breakfast cereal would you like? So that's something that I'm really conscious of now. And even with my son with the intellectual disability, trying to motivate him. If I ask him to do something, he most of the time won't do it. But if I ask him to make a choice, does he want to do X or Y? He'll pick one. And then he takes ownership of it and he follows through. So that was an interesting concept that that I continue to use. Okay, God, I must try that one myself. And some <laughs> there's some scenarios I can think of where or that would be useful. Okay, great. It's a handy trick. So where has this new path led you then? It has 
given me lots of opportunities. As I said, I'm continuing to grow and learn in it. So I have a very successful one-to-one coaching business where my passion is in empowering people to live their best lives, to tap into their potential and to curb the myth that it has to be professional or personal or one trades off the other. It's around discovering your why or your what. What is it? What does success look like to me? And then prioritizing accordingly. So that has been hugely successful. Life transforming, some of my clients tell me. So that's the main part of my business. I work in corporates as well. A lot of the work I do in corporates is running workshops, neuroscience-based, managing stress reactions, managing energy, all of that, that mind-body connection with the neuroscience background to support it. Things like how the brain works, keeping the brain-body connection in check, recognizing that what's going on in the mind is reflected in the body. So all these aches and pains stopping, pausing, reflecting what's going on in my mind that's manifesting in a pain in my body. Where is it? Where am I feeling it? And using that, the vagus nerve, I guess in its simplest form, neuroscience is a study of the brain and the autonomic nervous system. And the biggest nerve in the autonomic nervous system is the vagus nerve. So when we're triggered, when we see something, hear something, read an email, Signal goes from the brain to the body and the body goes into a fight or flight reaction. So we get those symptoms like the fast heartbeat, the tummy upsets, the tight neck, the tight shoulders, all of that. But equally, when we want to get out of that fight or flight, the connection goes the other way as well. So if we slow down our breathing, start the long, slow exhalations, slowing down the body it will send the signal back to the brain the other way. All is well. It's okay to calm down. So for lots of people who've come to my workshops, be they private or corporates, when they understand that, when they can see how they are reacting and understanding that it's their perception of, when you go into a room, particularly in corporates, one of the questions I would ask is, what is your biggest stressor? What do you see as your biggest stressor? Deadlines comes up all of the time. But when you dig a bit deeper, it's not the actual deadline. It's how I perceive my ability to meet the deadline that's going to drive the stress levels. Those types of understandings are, and little things, and just pausing watching your own patterns, your own kind of perceptions of your reality and making small adjustments to your perceptions, working on them really makes a big difference. I remember the thing with coaching neuroscience that if, isn't it, if you tell somebody what to do versus if you help them with the answer themselves, they don't get the kind of dopamine hit that you get with, oh, the light bulb moment and the insight and stuff like that that you mentioned earlier, that the kind of buzz of being able to figure it out yourself. I think it's so powerful, isn't it, neuroscience or coaching? Yeah, absolutely. And understanding the neurochemicals associated with it. Mm. So how to get the natural dopamine hit, as you 
mention yourself, when you have those light bulb moments, when you actually get a task done, prioritizing your tasks so that you can actually visually see yourself, clear them off your list or whatever way you write them down. All of those give natural dopamine hits. The walk in nature, natural sunlight and the the melatonin. And then the stress neurochemicals, the cortisol and the adrenalines, how to suppress those releases through exercise, all of those tools. The neuroscience part is fascinating. And I guess setting yourself up for a successful day, balancing your neurochemicals in the morning so that you can be at your best, so that your performance is at its best throughout the day, no matter what you're doing personally, professionally, we all want to be at our best and understanding those neurochemicals that drive the thought patterns and the reactions is of paramount importance in in all of that. People maybe if they're very stressed kind of forget that there's lots of small things they could be doing on a daily basis to improve their stress levels, calm themselves down, perform better. So it sounds like your workshops are really helpful in explaining the background and the theory to people, but also giving them all all of the practical tools to start implementing them. Generally, people walk away with three or four simple tools that they can bring into their lives the following day to help them to stay in that calm, grounded state where they are more productive. What have been the best bits since you've, you've made this? career change in the last few years? The best bits are watching the transformations in clients, hearing them come back into the next session and the next session, expressing their joy at how much more they're getting from life, how the little changes are really working and seeing results. There's nothing more rewarding to me than hearing the results that clients get from the small changes. For myself, I get energy from that. And I do a bit of career coaching as well. And I always say to clients, what gives you energy? Whatever it is that gives you energy, follow that. And that will lead you to where you need to go. And for myself, every time I come off, a coaching call, be it in person or on Zoom, I'm always energized. And that to me is feedback in tenfold. I know I'm doing what I'm meant to do. I'm the very same. And it's funny, like you said, when com- somebody comes to a follow-up session and they've made changes and they're kind of buzzing about it. And then you were nearly buzzing and it's it's kind of infectious, the, the effect of the client relationship. And even in the course of my day, occasionally a client will email me. I got an, an email from a client last week. And it was just a very short, simple email saying, hi, I just wanted to tell you three of my colleagues today have commented on how well I've handled a situation or how calm I was in yeah. such a situation. And I just can't help myself smiling, thinking, oh, yeah. my God, that's amazing. I'm so thrilled for that person. So, yeah, that that I do really find that energizing. Life's too short to be a drudge. And one of the images I use with clients initially on the discovery calls is the backpack with the rocks. What are the weight 
of the rocks in the backpack that you're carrying, how much easier would life be if you could start to take out some of those rocks? And it's a metaphor, but a lot of the rocks are removed by changing perceptions. A new client started with me this week and she said, I just was blown away by that image. I know my backpack must weigh half the earth's weight and I just can't wait to start making it a bit lighter. So then, you know, we just kind of check in on a lighter level through the program then. How's the, how's the backpack today or what sort of weights are in the backpack? And the lighter the backpack gets, I guess, the easier, the more energy clients have. It's such a powerful image and I think everybody can relate to it. And often a lot of the stuff in the backpack is created in our own heads and isn't isn't real. So I guess that's part of of the journey that you go on with clients to discover what are they kind of it's their perception and things maybe aren't as bad or are more in control than they realize. Exactly. And the perceptions, um, that's another one I would use in sessions is the glasses, you know, when they paint a really bleak picture. Okay, so that's the picture with your least favorite tinted lenses. What's your favorite color? And now could you try putting on those glasses? And, <laughs> you know, there's a pause and a, and then it's amazing what can come up. And it's, as you say, just a change in perception. Nothing has actually changed, but the perception has changed. And that takes a weight out of the backpack. And what would you say have been the challenges over the last few years? The challenges in business certainly are around, I had no business experience. I had no idea what running a business was going to involve. The parts I love are when I'm in front of the client or the client's in front of me, or when I'm in front of a, an audience or a, a participants in a workshop. That part is easy. It's all it takes to get there the marketing, the accounts, the paperwork, the planning, the all of those things. And working in the HSE was interesting because we all had defined roles. So if the light bulb went, you called the electrician to sort it out. If the IT went down, you phoned IT and they came up and, you know, there was somebody to do everything. Then suddenly it's me doing everything. Yeah. Plus... The other thing was it was always overwhelmingly busy in the public sector, in the health service. We There were times when, you know, during the winter, we would say, oh, it's snowing today. Maybe one of the buses from Kerry may not come and we, we it might not be as busy. But it, you go from that then to having to put yourself out there and really sell yourself. Because as a coach, it's you people are buying into it, as you know yourself you have to build that trust and all of that so that I found very challenging so I guess in summary it's the parts all around the actual coaching that need to be in place in order to have a successful business those would have been the challenges so everyone on this podcast has had to take a number of detours to get to where they are now and I suppose some of your detours seem to have come about through circumstances rather than choice and has led you down this new path. So do you wish that you had had a more direct route to where you are now or are you grateful 
for the detours along the way. I certainly don't wish that anything had been any different because I have learned so much from each twist and turn and each choice and decision has moved me in a direction that has got to me to me to where I am now. I'm sure life will still have more twists and turns. And I think when it's a more challenging route, you build up resilience. So I'm at the stage now, I sort of think, well, whatever life throws at me, I've built up enough resilience to be able to work through it and manage it. I think if you have, you know, life is never totally smooth. So the more challenges and obstacles you overcome, the better you get at it. And the more you build up your resilience and your open mind and all of that. So I'm very grateful for what life has has thrown at me or not and and for the route I've taken now I have to say with my son I guess and all of that I met my husband at 19 not that long I wasn't that long in UCD at the time and that connection was always very strong and that I think helped power me through some of the challenges and thankfully it's still as strong as ever 30 one or two years later. So that has been something that I've always been really grateful for. That connection, that kind of deep, and he loves neuroscience, psychology, people, all of that as well. So from very early on, we got deep into conversations about life and all of that. And I think that has really helped me with all the twists and turns while I would be very much the doer I never felt that I was alone in the doing. So that has helped, I guess, as well with overcoming all the challenges and obstacles. So I would say with 100% honesty, I'm really grateful for everything I have in my life and for for how I got to be here. That's amazing. You have such a great attitude and it sounds like your husband is is really your rock. Yeah, I, I would say that with honesty, yeah. He'd laugh if he heard me say that. <laughs> you can send him. You can send him a link to the podcast after. Um, but I know with your son, you're always posting. I often say it on LinkedIn. Lovely, positive messages about achievements that he's making. And I wonder, has the coaching course helped you to kind of? Well, I know it's helped you massively personally and professionally. But I suppose to see the good in things and see the achievements that he's making. Yes, that was one of the areas that coaching really helped me in because the world of disability, even in the term disability, it can have very negative connotations. And because of the budgeting and staff shortages, there's a lot of no, there's a lot of negativity. And I'm naturally a very upbeat, energetic, glass half full type person and it didn't suit me. So I had to figure out my own way of working with it. Now I'm really grateful for him, for all he's brought into our world. He's the reason we think differently about everything. My other three kids, they adore him. Their sensitivity to others, to others' feelings is massive. They would all be very caring, very, I guess, aware that 
life isn't easy for everybody and it's not straightforward for everybody. I guess we're all really grateful to him for giving us that kind of perspective and perception. Yeah, and I can even hear in your voice the love and the pride of all of your kids. He graduated this week and my daughter very proudly accompanied him and she was beaming from ear to ear. You know, she was delighted with with him and with how he performed and everything. And um and the other two are the same. My um he has an older brother and two younger sisters and they all have their role and they it brings them together as well. And I I find the unity and the bond and the family he's central to it. And if he wasn't there as teenagers, we all know what teenagers are like. They're very much in their own worlds and they connect with one another and and it's towards a common goal. Is he okay? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? Particularly if we're away or we're out for the evening or whatever, and they're taking on that responsibility more and more. And I have, it's not something that I have asked them to do because they're his siblings and I wouldn't expect it, but they love him and it's what they want. Well, congratulations on his graduation. That's a great achievement. Thank you. We were delighted with how it all went for him. So what lies ahead for you in the next chapter? What lies ahead for me in the next chapter? Keep doing what I'm doing. Keep expanding and learning. The day I stop learning will be a a sad day. So now that my kids are getting older, I have more time. So my mission now is to grow my business even more and to help more people to be happier in their lives, to to reach their potentials and to actually live the dream rather than just dream it. Yeah. That's where I see it going. And what advice would you have for anybody who's stuck at the moment and wants to make a change either in terms of their career or their personal life and they don't know where to start? I would say, listen to yourself, pause reflect on your thought patterns, look at areas in your day that energize you, start recording them and noticing patterns. And whether you're energized in your personal life or your professional life or parts of, you may think it's trivial, but those things matter. Because for me, the most energizing parts in my career were those listening to people, be it staff or patients. I didn't really know at the time that it would ever come to anything, but now I've built a career around it. So I would say to people, notice, pause a lot, reflect. What do you love? Start writing it down and start noticing patterns. Brilliant advice. And build from there. And where can people find you if they are looking for you to come in and do a talk on neuroscience? I have a website, Katrina Kerwin. And I am on quite active on LinkedIn, Katrina Kerwin. So they're the two main parts. My email address is Katrina at Katrina Kerwin.ie. And the Kerwin is with its K-I-R-W-A-N. They would be the two main places that people would find me. Great. And I link to all of them in the show notes. Okay. Thanks a million, Katrina. I could talk to you all day. This has been really interesting and I can identify with a lot of what you were saying about the energy that you get from coaching but I've also learned some new tools and and visualizations that um, I can apply to myself and clients as well so 
Thanks a million for coming on. Thank you, Elaine. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks to my lovely guest today and thanks to those of you that listened. If you like this episode, please share or tell a friend. I'll be back next time to talk to another amazing lady who has reinvented her next chapter.